0: I'm Michael Troughton, and this is The Sirens of Audio. Oh, my giddy aunt. Hello, Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. This is, um, oh, what is this? What is this podcast? Ah, this is The Sirens of Audio two three. We are stranded on this podcast and we need more subscribers. Can you send immediate assistance? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Over. Hello? Sirens of audio, am receiving you loud and clear, am about to subscribe and write a five star review on Apple Podcasts, over. Well, though I say so myself, I think that's a remarkable piece of work. Files. This is the Sirens of Audio, the show that explores the universe of Doctor Who and the audio medium. I'm Dwayne.
1: And I'm Philip. G'day Dwayne, g'day audio files.
0: G'day Philip. You're looking rather happy there. What's going on with you?
1: Ah, uh, stuff, but I can't tell everyone. I've just told you.
0: Oh. <laughs> Excellent. We'll keep it a secret then. I'm sure everything will become clear. Uh hang oh, no, hey, going out.
1: Saturday. Sunday. No, it's okay. Uh <laughs>
0: It'll go. It'll go out on Sunday.
1: <laughs> no, no, actually, no. It's okay. It should be public by then. Now, just um, one of my uh, children got engaged yesterday, so um, we've lots of celebrating happening and getting ready now and plans and yeah, very exciting times.
0: Huge. Always something big going on in your family. It's great. Yes,
1: <laughs> always something big going on.
0: Excellent. All right. Well, um, we were going to release our latest Randomoids episode this weekend, but we pushed it back. Because uh, we had um, an interview come up with one of the writers of the latest Second Doctor box set, in, just simply entitled James Robert McCrimmon, because obviously it stars Fraser Hines. So we've got Paul Verhoeven joining us to talk about his story, the middle story in the box set, The Green Man. So um, we push back the randomoids to next week, Philip. So I'm Again. sure everyone can cope with that.
1: Well, yes, that's, yeah, it's all in the can, so it's, yeah, it's good for us. And it was yeah. When it, when opportunity comes up to chat to an author, you take it up, and yes. especially, especially an Australian author. So we're very excited to have a Aussie in the stables.
0: Absolutely, yes, that is always an exciting thing. Now, before we do what we normally do, Philip, I'd like to just um, take a couple of minutes just to read some of the some of the comments that have been coming up on our, particularly our YouTube channel. But we actually got an Apple Podcast review. Come in as well.
1: Oh, this person should be praised. There's nothing as good as an Apple Podcast review. Yes, we
0: want more. We want more. If you're listening to us on audio, please jump over to Apple Podcasts and give us a a five-star review. We love them.
1: It makes a huge difference to people finding us, so please do it.
0: Yeah, this is from Oscar Noodle, and he gives us five stars. Thank you, Oscar. He says, uh, you won't find a better Doctor Who interview podcast out there. Well, that's high praise, because there are a few of them. And uh, I'm I'm chuffed that he thinks that.
1: Yeah. Well, I think we are pretty blessed with who we get to speak to. makes it much easier.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. I'm going to jump across to some of the comments from our YouTube channel now. I've started clipping some of our episodes and putting them out. And those shorter clips, people's attention spans seem to be uh, (laughs) a lot more suited to uh, five to ten minute clips. And they're going great guns. So I've got... Playlist going get, on the get YouTube 15 channel. Fifteen
1: seconds, they'll be really going, <laughs> going well. That's
0: yeah. Well, I've got spared. some. I've got some shorts out there, but there's only so much I can do in a week. But yeah, the shorter clips are, are going great. So if you haven't yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do so. Click the notification bell, and you won't miss out on any of these uh, episodes, the longer form episodes, or the clips that I'm making. Uh, I released a, a clip from our Bonnie Langford interview, and uh, you're going to like this one, Philip because uh, Charlie Greyfriars left a comment. He said, uh, Sirens of audio, I don't follow musical theatre, but you and Bonnie chatting about it was a joy to listen to. Of course it was. I saw saw Bonnie twice in Peter Pan at the Aldwych Theatre, following her casting in Doctor Who, and she was spectacular. Briefly met her after, and she was so lovely, especially after two hours of flying and singing. The crap she got from corners of fandom was appalling. For all we love... Doctor Who, etc. It's still a job for the people doing it. Uh, I hope you get the chance to meet her in person and continue your chat. In fact, you must come over. That's a demand there from uh, Charlie Greyfriars. Philip, you've got to get over to the UK.
1: Well, can I say I'm desperate to get over, it's been way too long. So I'm hoping next year I'll make a trip over.
0: Yeah, so thank you for that fantastic comment. And there was quite a bit of musical talk that I think I cut from that episode, wasn't there?
1: Oh, you're slack. Oh, there's I know there's someone else we interviewed very recently who we spoke a lot about musical stuff and you cut all of it, you slacker. Did I? Uh, who yes, was that? Indeed. Um, uh, um, oh, it was from um,
0: Stephen Sondheim's Passions. Oh, it wasn't uh, Glenn McCready. Glenn McCready. Was it really? Did I cut it all? I think you cut all of that conversation. It's just Anyway, I do know
1: we're not a musical podcast, but yeah, it's one of my extras. Well, little-
0: music is a form of audio, so... You know, we can we can cross that line from time to time, from time to time. I <laughs> Gee, okay, I, I clipped um, uh, one of our interviews with uh, John Coleshaw, Well, the only interview we've done with John John Coleshaw, and um, it was on recreating iconic voices for for Big Finish. And uh, during that clip, he does voices for the Brigadier, the Third Doctor, the Fourth Doctor, the Ainley Master, the Delgado Master. Uh, are they the only ones he does? He might he might do some more, but there was lots and lots of comments. That has been probably our fastest um, growing in terms of views video ever on the channel, and people are still uh, enjoying that clip. It only goes for about ten minutes, so I think ten minutes is the is this is the uh, time frame that we need to go for, Philip. The sweet spot. That's the attention span of so, uh, of or most people. Should
1: be ten minutes. Is that what we're saying.
0: Uh nah, no, nah, we'll keep doing them the way we're doing. I'll just keep. My, I'll just keep clipping them um uh we have a comment here uh from ag partridge and uh this person says closing my eyes and listening to john coleshaw do these voices it brings these people back to life what a talented chap he is and i can't agree more he, uh, uh, hey, it man. never ceases to amaze me
1: yeah and no, i i often just listen to things now i can't believe it's not the actual actors
0: okay we'll skip to another comment uh this, was, this is a comment left by Will Hadcroft, who we've had on the show. He's an author of one of the BBC audio releases. And uh, this was from a clip that I took, because I'm also just not taking clips from just interviews, but also our rabbit hole topics. Surely, slowly but surely, I'm going to put them into their own playlist on YouTube, because people may find that interesting. Um, and he says on the clip that I called Secrets Exposed What You Didn't Know About The Sirens of Audio. He says, uh, impressed by Philip playing and teaching music, hidden talent, say. So people are interested in that kind of stuff.
1: There you go. It wasn't that hidden. I just had to come up here. People know me.
0: If you'd listened to every single episode of The Sirens of Audio, it has been mentioned before. Probably.
1: I I just keep telling the same stories over and over again.
0: Here's another clip uh, from Holly Ann. Which was a clip I called, Why Are We So Fascinated with Villains? They're now the stars of their own box sets. This was a chat that we had only very recently with Lizzie Hopley. And uh, Holly Ann says, The algorithm gave me your channel for the first time. Love these kind of discussions. And that was one of our rabbit hole topics, too. So, going to keep doing that. Um, well, hopefully every every couple of days we'll release a clip of something. So if you're into that kind of thing, if you want to keep up to date with, with us and just catch little clips of us instead of the longer-form stuff, you can do that via our YouTube channel. It's at Audio Sirens. Our handle is the same wherever you go on all of our socials, including YouTube. So uh, just thought I'd share some of those uh, clips and uh, some of those comments, Philip.
1: Yeah, thanks for doing that. I hadn't heard some of them, so it's good to hear.
0: Excellent. All right, but before we talk with paul the hoven about his story the green man do you know what philip this has got something to do with more shorts or something i don't know what Dwayne. we have to jump down the rabbit hole let's go <laughs> yes philip we are going down we're going yeah, right down into the we're rabbit going hole down. i can tell And because this episode is a Second uh, Doctor-centric episode, uh, I want to ask you about your relationship to the Second Doctor. I want to know what was your first impressions of the Second Doctor as a young fan? Uh, Where did you first read him, hear him, or see him? And how has that uh, love of the Second Doctor grown over the years?
1: Okay. Well, I would always say second doctor is my favorite doctor and he was my favorite doctor from very early on so when I first watched, started watching Doctor He was Tom Baker on repeat then went to John Pertwee but in no time whatsoever we came up with the three doctors and so my first experience of the second doctor was the three doctors and I just loved Patrick Troughton like he was so funny and this doctor I just everything about him I loved And it would have been a week or two after that that I was in the local bookshop and the first target book I ever bought was The Web of Fear, which has Patrick Trout on the cover. So I recognised him from the cover, bought the book, read it in an afternoon, read it again in the same afternoon. And so from then on, I've always called the second doctor my favourite doctor. So yeah, I have a very long relationship with him. I got every book I could possibly get with him. And then of course started discovering it's hard to get the stories. But I do remember in 19, it was either 85 or 86, I think it was 85, um, we had some repeats which was going back and showing the Mind Robber and the Crotons, and I demanded that my parents bought a VCR machine for those, um, because up until that stage, was, you know, we, we watched Doctor Every Night, but these Patrick Travel shows, I thought they may not come back again, and we bought, you know, the, the same day we bought the VCR machine, the first episode of the Mind Robber went on, and so I... Tate, Mind Robber and Crotons and they became my most watched videos which I watched over and over again, I still have them I actually chucked out all, recently I did a major chuck of all my VCRs but I couldn't throw out the VCR with with those two episodes because it was just too much to do it and so, yeah, always, any time that Patrick Tratton comes up I just adore him and I started looking at everything he was in got frightened to death watching The Omen I was too young to watch that I don't know what my parents were thinking allowing me to watch The Omen But he was in that and anything he was in, I'd start watching. So, yeah, very, very, very affectionate towards Patrick Troughton and really sad I never got a chance to meet him. What about you, Dwayne? What's your reaction to The Second Doctor?
0: Well, I'd I'd like to say that he was my favourite Doctor, but William Hartnell was always my favourite for for various reasons. Uh, But the more I look at The Second Doctor, the more I... I sort of, if, if I was to ever have to, we, do, we don't like ranking things. I know you don't like ranking things. But if I had to say who is the best Doctor, not your favourite necessarily, but who is the best, it could very well be the second Doctor. And he's, as, as portrayed by Patrick Troughton, because of Patrick Troughton and his skill as an actor, what he had to do. And Colin Baker has always said that if it wasn't for Patrick Troughton, then we wouldn't still have... Doctor Who. We would have always had, black, uh, you know, black and white Doctor Who, at least the the first Doctor. But if it wasn't for Patrick Trout and getting it through the rest of that decade, uh, then we wouldn't have had anything after that. And it, uh, you know, as it was, it came close to being cancelled at the time. Um, I can't, I can't recall what my first experience with the second Doctor was, but it definitely would have been in a Target novel. It possibly. I, I seem to recall Doctor Who and the Cybermen, which was the moon base. So I think that may have been my first experience. Um, I, like you, what grabbed me about the second Doctor was, yeah, well, I think I, I, the three three Doctors didn't leave such a great impression on me, but... What left a huge impression on me was definitely the mind robber. I had no idea that black and white Doctor Who could be so utterly magical. And that first episode in particular, and with that cliffhanger, the TARDIS exploding, I was instantly hooked on the black and white era, even though there was nothing else really like it after I did get to uh, get to explore it more. It was that episode in particular that was so minimal in many ways, but so powerful uh, powerful performances from everybody, actually, in that in that episode. And it was an extra – it wasn't even meant to be part of the story, was it, that episode originally? It was an no, extra. They a
1: short episode, I had to throw one in, write one in a short of time.
0: Yeah, so uh, probably the most powerful second Doctor episode for me, being the first one, obviously, but it, it hooked me instantly. And then the crotons, you know, people pan the crotons a little bit, but I still have a lot of affection for that story because that was the second second Doctor story that I saw and I, at that stage, I only had a, P, a, a beta cassette player. So I think the first two videos, the Doctor Who videos I bought, were The Five Doctors, and the other one was The Seeds of Death. So it was the Omnibus, Omnibus. Is that the, is that the word? Omnibus edition um, that uh, had all the, the titles cut out of it. But I cannot tell you how many times I've seen The Seeds of Death. Uh, recently, on I, I released a few a few chapters of the target novel that I read. Uh, you can catch that on the YouTube channel and the podcast feed. Um, so yeah, those characters from the Seeds of Death are so imprinted in my head from way back in the '80s when I got that beta version for the first time. So um, after that, I got to know some fans and some of those copies that were going around from various fans you know first second third fourth fifth sixth generation copies i actually had a pretty good copy of the war games and i thought the war games is a very important story in terms of doctor who history and i still am amazed at how you can you can always like sometimes it's hard to sit through a four-parter but the 10-part war games is something that i find very easy to sit through in one sitting it's an amazing story so there are a lot of amazing moments in the Second Doctor era that uh, blow me away, and even still, I'm still being blown away. Um, how long ago was it? Was it ten years ago now that Enemy of the World, of the World came yep. out? I was blown away by that. I thought that, and that became my favourite Second Doctor story because it was always the mind Robber before that, but Enemy of the World just uh, you know just rocked my, rocked my socks. Um, it was it was incredible. Uh, to see that, and even more recently, I never really appreciated the Terror until the animation came out. I think the the Terror is still my favourite animation. I don't know if you've seen that, Philip, or if, if you've have. got it and you're yet to yep. see it. It is it is probably the best animation out there that sort of realises. It does extra things, but um, I think I've heard it said by others that this the animation could be better than the TV episodes ever could be. Um, no. so they'd be, <laughs> well, you know, if you look at the animated macro and then you look at and you look at, uh, the, the, the tele snaps that we've got, yeah, it's, it would be nice to, to have those episodes back, but the, the color animation, I just love it. So yeah, I've got lots and lots of fondness and, and not to mention everything that big finish has done. I, I looked and there's only about, you know, between 50 and 50 and 58 releases, um, 50 55 something like that of second doctor stories uh on big finish probably a few more individual stories because some of those would be parts of box sets but uh I've, I love everything they've done with Fraser Hines playing the doctor and then and now Michael Troughton playing the doctor so yeah I'm I'm very very fond of the second doctor era yeah
1: it is interesting um, because Doctor Who magazine's been running the poll for the to, be able to try to find the best doctor Who stories and they've done it differently this time in terms of the, the top three of the stories of each doctor are going mm-hmm. through into the final round for competition. And Patrick Trouton has managed to get five stories in because aside from the three his own round, he's also got through the three doctors and the two doctors, yeah. um, oh, and I think the five doctors too. So I think he may be in six times. So, um, yeah, he's done very well for himself <laughs> because yeah, yeah. And, and in terms of extraordinary actors, um, Patrick Trouton, is just such a gifted, talented actor and every role you see him in is just so different that he's recognisable because of how he looks but in terms of the character he plays he's just so talented.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that's just uh, a, a few little thoughts I wanted to get from you on, on the second Doctor and your relationship to him. So uh, we will scramble oh, up... By the our... way,
1: I've, I've got a signed print of the moon base behind me. I'm not sure whether you can see that with the glare. That one. Um... No, maybe you can't see us.
0: There, there is a bit of glare there.
1: Yeah, oh. sorry about that. That's that's a side print of the target model.
0: Okay. Very good. Excellent. All right. Well, let's crawl up out of the rabbit hole and uh, talk for a few minutes about the box set that is the uh, topic of our conversation tonight, which is the second Doctor Adventures, James Robert McCrimmon, the most recent box set. Now, there's three stories in this. The first one's just called uh, James uh, Jamie written by Mark Wright. The second one by Paul The Hoven, called The Green Man. And the third one is called The Shroud by Bob Ayres. So I just want to get your thoughts on uh, the the concept of the box set. What were your thoughts when you saw the cover and the the older Jamie and what, what your thoughts were when you, what you thought might have been coming?
1: The previous Second Doctor box set I was really excited to get to, which is the Beyond the War games. Um, the biggest disappointment was just the fact that there's only one release a year, so I have Absolutely. been hang- I've been hanging out for this because the Beyond the War games wasn't was an exceptional box set, and one of the the highlights of last year's releases, brilliantly done, brilliantly conceived, but missing Jamie, and I did actually miss Jamie in the box set, so knowing that Jamie was going to be back and having him on the cover, and in fact it's more than that, the whole box is named after him, the first story is named Jamie, so they were bringing back Fraser Hines in All his glory, which was, yeah, right and proper. We knew it was coming because we had a third doctor um, box set already with the second doctor and the older Jamie, so we knew it was coming, we just weren't quite sure how it was going to fit together. And so, this box actually does answer a question, which is great. So, yeah, I, th- I thought the I mean, this the, the whole cover is very interesting in terms of how they do at the moment. I, I did think they made Jamie look a bit too old because I, in my head, he's not actually. As, quite as old as they've made him and so it's still mm. old as the, old as the actor is um but yeah it's, it's it's a beautiful cover and i said because it was all titled after james robert Crine, i was excited by that what, what was your initial impressions when you knew the box that was coming
0: oh i couldn't wait um like you um the beyond war game set from last year was one of my favorites of the year um and and the, the black and white sets that they're putting out so the, the the first doctor with Stephen Noonan and now Michael Troughton for me personally they, these are my most anticipated ones the the care that they take in recapturing the era but not just recapturing the era but adding something extra special on top um, is is second to none it I, I think the quality of these sets is is probably the best uh big finish is doing and that's and that is uh, a high a high mark to exceed because pretty much everything they do is of a very high standard. So, I think I think it's very much a tribute to both Nicholas Briggs and Mark Wright,
2: who have yep.
1: taken ownership of these box sets. And I think Nicholas is, Nick has held, held on to this very tightly, in yep. terms of what he believes and what his his vision is. And Mark Wright obviously has that captured to too. And you know, I think you know, Mark wrote a significant story in the first box set, and again wrote the first one in this box set. So Mark is driving the the vision. In terms of the writing Nicky's obviously driving the vision in terms of the direction and being the director and so those two are really clinging on tight but that being said they give giving a lot of freedom to newer newish writers but you know obviously yeah you can really see there's a passion behind this box set
0: absolutely and not only that the the music in this is is sensational as well so toby hracek robinson does the music in these and it's different for every story and something else who who was it was nick that's the director isn't it so i think it's the director that puts the trailers together i know nick likes putting the trailers together and he tricked me because he put certain elements that were flashbacks flash flash forwards in the trailer that that made me suspect certain elements were being included in these stories but they were just flashbacks at the time. So I think it was a clever way to get me in and get me excited. But I wasn't disappointed when those, when those elements didn't turn out to be there, because there were other elements that, uh, that, that made it just as special. So the, what was interesting about the first story, Jamie, was that Mark included elements from some of the novels. So there's various timelines that are, that are referenced throughout this story. And he's gone back to the novels. So in a way, I was a little bit disconnected from this story because I wasn't really a fan of the novels. But I love the way he did this because anyone who did follow the novels and enjoy reading those novels would um, would know what was going on. Um, you don't have to know the novels to to sort of get the sense of what's going on, but if you did know the novels, that would be an extra, you know, an extra piece of icing on the cake that makes this story extra special.
1: Yeah, I mean I had no idea there was novel references in this until I listened to the extras and it it, it meant nothing there's nothing detrimental by not knowing that that was there uh, and so yeah as, as you say for, for those who do know the novels it's a nice nod and yeah there's often things I listen to that I, I recognize where it's come from or a bit of a nod to something else which I smile at I mean there's you yeah, there's certainly a story in this where you know I recognized the movie that, that was being looked at and being, you know, honoured um, by the style. But if you don't know the movie, it doesn't matter because the mm. storytelling is good enough. And so it, that, there was novels, that novel stuff may have been there. I didn't know it. I didn't know what the novels were, but I enjoyed the story enough. But was it, that extra element for people who do love that thing.
0: So speaking of um, movie references, the the second story, The Green Man, uh, is openly a homage to, um, to uh, Rear Window. Uh, but did you pick up on that? Because you don't go into reading anything or or knowing too much about it before, but did you get a sense of that as you were listening to the story?
1: Definitely. So Rear Window is one of my favourite films, so Grace Kelly and Gregory Peck. That's right, isn't it? I'm sure it's Gregory Peck. Um, James Stewart. James Stewart, sorry. Yes, of course it's James Stewart. James Stewart and Grace Kelly. Beautiful, beautiful film um, because the whole thing takes place in just his apartment, in his room, but he can oversee other apartments, the ground and things um and that has always been one of my favorite films I, I remember watching that with my grandmother when I was very young and I've seen it several times since so when when it started and the situation was put with the doctor with his view I immediately went there and and the more I listened to it, it more thinking oh I can I know what's going on here um yeah that, that homage was was clear but once again you don't need to be an Alfred Hitchcock fan and seen rear window to be able to appreciate what, what Paul's done
0: in the story? No, absolutely. You, you, you definitely don't. Um, what I enjoyed about this one is one of those very tight, very small cast stories. Apart from the story, the performances, the thing that stood out to me in this one was the music. There were musical clues in there as to what was coming and I picked up on those clues instantly so I did know what was coming So, and I was thrilled to, be, to to hear how well the music was done to fit the um antagonist in this particular story so yeah uh, i'd be mean to go it. back
1: and listen again because i totally mm. missed that so I did need you to go, i need to go back and listen because i still don't believe you so i, <laughs> I need to go and confirm I'm, I'm sure i'm sure you would be familiar you, to me. you
0: don't believe me well, you go just, back and listen to I, it I, I'm just, I just
1: don't know how i missed it so totally but it, I
0: obviously listen did. listen to the first first five minutes it's in there
1: okay yeah. Yep. I mean, I was, I was being amused by other things in the first five minutes. Other things I wanted to say about Jamie, which we, I didn't get a chance to say, was just in terms of, I thought it was really great to find a way of introdu- introducing Jamie in the older self that was logical and made sense and was believable, but also introduced a bit of pathos and um, sadness around the character. And mm. it's, it's, it's interesting to see the whole box, set actually, it's like the last box set. The Time Lords play such an important element. In, in these stories, and not all positive.
0: Sorry. I'm glad you came back to that because um, it is worth mentioning that, yes, it is a very satisfying, logical reason uh, to to get Jamie back into it. It's just not for the heck of it. It's it's not strange like it was in The Two Doctors. It doesn't really... Because The Two Doctors doesn't really fit in anywhere. Yeah, but, w- w- uh, where they've uh, left, not, Victoria, not,
1: left Victoria behind on a station. They'll never get back to it with the way that Dr. Flies the TARDIS.
0: Very, 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 very strange, although you know so it's a lot more logical than than that. Let's put it that way. So yeah. uh, well done to to Nick and and Mark Wright for that. because
1: it's a superb cast. it's hard to tell because I hate this website that they combine all the people together. Um, but from the first story if i got it right Daisy Ashford, who's of course we know, know mainly now from playing Liz Shaw. Um, Daisy's just marvelous in it, and the other person who doing I the Scots, doing the Scots and Glenn McCready, who is always, is yeah, excellent. So th- those are just two people I noticed in that first story. But there was a very large cast in the first story. Um yes. I'm enjoying, who's the, um, who's the time lady? Raven, isn't it? Emma Notes. Yes. yes. I don't like her. So she's doing, I, I think the, the actress obviously a doing really a good job. Doing a good job, job then. Because yeah. I, I really do not like that character. It's, so I think, yeah, that's a good actress because I'm really not liking it at all. So there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of
0: time. But you're liking not liking her.
1: I'm liking not liking her. She's doing a yeah. good performance because I don't like her. Yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm enjoying Emma Noakes and her performance very much so. I think she's got a few other bits and pieces um, for Big Finish, some Tom Baker stuff. Um, yeah, she's, she's very talented.
0: Absolutely. All right, since we've talked about uh, The Green Man, shall we jump to, to the last story, The Shroud?
1: Yes. That once again, this had some lovely surprises, in it? Towards the end, um, it did. I, I don't particularly know Bob Ayres. I think he's done a couple of other bits and pieces. I think for being finished as well.
0: Well, he he wrote uh, the Demon Song from the ah. Uh,
1: from well, that was excellent.
0: Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, it hasn't. Been and he's a lot. the brother of he's the brother of Mark as well.
1: Mark Ayres. Hmm. I didn't know that. There you go. So there you go. Okay. Um, all these little bits of trivia you learned along the way so yeah i really enjoyed the shroud again too there's some clever little twists in it I, did, I didn't see the twist coming which was nice um didn't fully understand what the shroud was till on the end it explained on the end but lovely layers lovely characterizations the jamie's jamie's just so loyal and innocent i just fraser plays him so well and actually what I'm just talking, i was talking about michael troughton even better now than the first box set. And it's going to the point now I cannot hear, not hear Patrick Trouton in him. He just sounds so much like his, his father. We well, should,
0: because Patrick Trouton is in him. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Literally.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it, it's hard to tell it's not actually Patrick Trouton do the performance because yeah. he's even better now, even more mannerisms. I'm trying we remember what it was. There's certain ways he goes up at the end of sentences, the way he you know, gets excited at the end, um, and, and does a, that's the sort of lift, which, what, which is what his father always did. Um, but I am loving Michael's performances and loving the characterizations and having Jamie back now, I think I've, enjo- I've enjoyed this boxer even more because the Doctor and Jamie just play off each other so well. Those two characters together are so strong. It's, it's one of the amazing pairings, you know, pairings throughout Doctor Who. There's certain characters that just belong together, certain doctors and companions, and so certainly the second Doctor and Jamie just belong together, and this boxer has captured that spirit
0: one hundred percent. The last box set had two stories in it. This one's got three, three two-parters. What What are your thoughts on on that? Do you prefer the to have more stories with uh, fewer parts, or you know
1: the answer to that already?
0: I think it's a yes. Yes,
1: is that I, right? I, yeah. I I I still think that the right sort of length for Doctor Who story now is about an hour. So I, I love the hour episodes. You know the pomegans, I mean, occasionally you want a double episode for something special, but just like Doctor Who's come back in, as a new series in in our episodes or fifty minutes, fifty five, whatever takes your fancy. But around that period, to me, the audio of about an hour, it, it's compact enough that you can get to know characters, you can do characterizations, you have enough plot, you have a second plot as well, but you're not hang, just hanging around in midair. And you know, four four part Doctor Who stories on TV always even those struggle that around you know episode three was you know let's lock them up one more time we get escape one more time you had you had to pad it but with one hour there's no padding you haven't got time for padding and so the pace just keeps going all the, all the more and so for me these three stories because you just had that pace the whole time and maybe i'm getting old but yeah, my memory can't handle two hours back so yeah <laughs> i can't even remember what's, what's happened the last hour so yeah much better for my short-term memory it means i can enjoy, enjoy the stories much much more what about you do you, you still you do still like the longer stories don't you
0: i do i I am happy with either uh, it doesn't really bother me as long as the story uh, maintains my interest uh, which uh, which the longer ones do and uh, so do the shorter ones i'm I'm absolutely happy. The only thing with the shroud that I was slightly disappointed with and I think i I don't know whether it was on purpose or whether it was just my imagination, but the trailer indicated something that uh, and, and the blurb for The Shroud talks about, um, humans fighting back against what they called the squids. And there was a section in the trailer that made me think, oh, excellent. It's one of my favorite Doctor Who monsters in it. And it turned out not to be. It was one of those ones. So I was, I was like, oh, I'm a bit disappointed about that. But at the same time, that disappointment for that was replaced by a fantastic story that I loved. Um, Science fiction elements were really handled nicely, logically. I could understand them. In my old age, I'm getting a little bit confused, a little bit easier, but I wasn't confused by any of this in any in the in the whole box set. So I was I was thrilled with the whole thing.
1: She just goes to show you should read the blurbs because you get disappointed. I don't get disappointed. I mean, I've just read the blurb for the first time for the shroud and trying to work out what <laughs> well, you expect. Well, if
0: you combine that with the trailer. Yeah, and
1: I, I didn't listen to the trailer either,
0: so, so what would well, I know? There you go. There you go. We're we're different in that in that regard. Yeah, I like trailers, are. I like blurbs, I like little teasers, um, I like to look at cast lists beforehand. So yeah, I do everything the opposite way sometimes, Philip.
1: Yeah, that's why that's why we attract each other. Opposite track they say.
0: There you go. There you go. It's always good to get a a, a full view of I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. No. I'm getting too old.
1: So I'm curious, in the, in the comments, I'd love to know, are you the sort of person who wants to listen to the trailer, read the blurbs, know the cast list before you start a story so get as much information as you can? Or would you rather just hit the story blind and at the end go back and work out all those things? So are you more of a Dwayne or more of a Philip? You may not want to admit to either of those.
0: Very good. All right, let's let's uh, let's get Paul the Hoven on to, to talk about his story, The Green Man. He's got some very exciting things to to talk about there. But before we do that, we'll throw in a trailer for the whole box set. This is the trailer for the second Doctor Adventures, James Robert McCrimmon.
3: From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, the second Doctor Adventures, James Robert McCrimmon. Kregantua! Kregantua! Be silent for James Robert McCrimmon, the laird of McCrimmon. We have to get back to the TARDIS. Aye. Right. When I say run, run. Run, 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 run! I don't know any doctors, 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 doctors. Well done, Jamie. We made it. We did? Hi, 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 we did. What's your business here? Um, I, we. Uh... Hello, Headmaster. New recruits. This is the Doctor and Jamie. Why'd you do it, Doctor? Do what? This, this chaos is why you left Gallifrey. Why you value freedom to protect primitives like these. <laughs> My dear Raven, this isn't chaos. Patience, we sincerely hope. You've had another wonderful restful day here at the Grove. The Doctor. Jimmy? Oh, you know the evil I've fought out there in the universe more than you'll ever encounter in your cloistered Time Lord life. <laughs> they me. Orbital scanners calibrated to detect temporal energy signature. Am I being processed? I'm not a cheese triangle, you know. This whole system will have to be placed in a time loop, effectively removed from existence. A fresh-faced Jacobite Piper in the aftermath of Culloden. No. Who stepped aboard the TARDIS without a second's hesitation. Stay calm, Jamie. Stay calm. Woo. How long have I been here? You don't remember. I, I don't remember much about anything in some ways seeing all this the, the, the console the, the wee suckles on the wall it, it feels like no time has passed at all but in others it's been a lifetime hi doctor I'm as stealthy as a wee fox you honestly think I'd just run into people and wow I thought you might say that and I wouldn't have it any other way what? finish for the love of stories
0: well it's our great pleasure to have the writer of doctor who the green man paul f verhoven with us g'day paul
2: You so much for having me
0: well we have spoken before and uh you did at the time tease that this was coming so i've been looking forward to it although i was surprised to see it attached to a, a second doctor story uh, because being the Seventh Doctor being your, your doctor, I guess that would have been one you would have preferred. But one thing, I've heard Nick Briggs talk about how many writers have come onto the scene in Big Finish, but I've, I think you're the first one I've ever heard Nick Briggs say has flattered their way into writing for Big Finish. Tell us about that.
2: Well, I do like paying a compliment, but also I, uh, my in with Big Finish was listening to uh, his Eighth Doctor Adventures. So I've been a big fan of his work for a while. I mean, we've all been a big fan of Nick Briggs' work, obviously. He's, uh, you know, the voice of the Daleks and, um, whether you feel or respect them as a race, we've certainly, it's been such a big part of the fabric of our upbringing. Um, so being a big fan of Doctor Who, the TV show, I was familiar with his work, but I was much, I was a much bigger fan of his work as a writer on Big Finish, and I told him so, and uh, he responded positively. And being British, I don't think he knew quite how to take it, but I just kept going. Tricky, you're just going to wear him down, man. You're just going <laughs> to just gonna, just gonna keep pounding down those walls, and I think after a while he started to go, yeah, yeah, I am good. Uh, so I just, you know, wormed my way in that way. Uh, but, you know, he'd read my books, and uh, he was familiar with my work outside of Big Finish, and he actually... So my short trip, Fear of Flying, which was a 10th Doctor story, uh, Fear of Flying was something I actually was doing through, initially, uh, Jason Hay Gallery, who I chatted to on my podcast. And I think Nick, at first, I think his first interaction with Fear of Flying may have been, and I could be wrong, but may have been just listening to it as a sort of listener. Um, And I think that, combined with the flattery, probably helped create a sort of, you know, like like a mouthfeel around me, which uh, which got me the gig.
1: You talk about needing lots of flattery. I mean, I, my experience is most of the writers we speak to don't realise how talented they are and need lots of ego stroking. Are you a writer that needs lots of ego stroking? Or are you confident with who you are?
2: I don't need it, Phil, but I like it. I certainly do like it. Uh, the, thing, the thing I've realised is, typically speaking, I... And being a writer, I'm quite biased, but I think the writer is, it's where the story starts. It's really where the story should finish. I mean, you know, I'm an author. I, I, think, I think the writer is a crucial part of the story. But because we are dealing with a forward-facing product, because we're dealing with a franchise, oftentimes the writers are, you know, if they're doing their job well, you rarely notice. It's, you know, you, it's, it takes a very specific type of person to find the writer and tell them what they thought. As a writer, I try and do this as much as possible. And doing this uh, this anthology, one of the first things I did was reach out to the other writers and just go, "Hey, I see what you've done. I really appreciate your work." Um, getting compliments as a writer is a it's an electrifying thing because yeah, you're not you're not the star, you're not on the cover, you know, um, you're not typically pointed out for that stuff. But I know a few friends who are chefs, and there's this thing amongst chefs where Chefs recommend different restaurants to other chefs and to foodies than they do to the general public. You can ask a chef where you should go and eat and they'll just say whatever. But if you actually get them on a night when they've had a few drinks, they'll go, actually, you should check this place out. And what I like about being a writer, getting compliments from other writers, is it, it feels very personal and targeted. It feels like there's sort of like a speakeasy quality to it. And everyone who's um gotten in touch about The Green Man and told me they liked it has felt the need to couch it very carefully and be as articulate as possible and really craft a a very personalized compliment. And that's the best type of compliment, is the one that is actually directly made for you, and ideally one that provoked an emotional response, uh, and ideally in that case a good one, not rage, which I hope I've not provoked in anybody.
0: So, did you have any reservations about writing for The Second Doctor? Because Nick makes it clear on, on the extras that uh, he wanted to bring you in on a, on a set that he was script editing. Um, so, was The Second Doctor, did you find that uh, a bit challenging uh, as, as a Seventh Doctor fan? Or have you immersed yourself in the, in the whole world of Classic Who and you know it all back the front?
2: Yeah, I've really enjoyed working with the second doctor because back when I was at university, I plowed through every doctor in order, so I did the whole thing. You know, it kind of gave myself like a Renaissance education in Doctor who just re-watching all the classic stuff. So now I have done like a re-rewatch, but my natural inclination is to turn any doctor into a scheming Machiavellian sort of chess grandmaster, right? Someone who is so smart. Often so smart that they lose track of the threads they had, but not uh, not an idiot. Really always the smartest person in the room. A master improviser. And I just wanted to, without giving too many spoilers away, the iteration of the Second Doctor in the Second Doctor Adventures is a Second Doctor who, it's sort of like a, what if the Second Doctor didn't get forced to regenerate just yet? What kind of a person would he become? Would he mature um, if he didn't have those crises thrust upon him and if he wasn't driving Bessie around, uh, you know, and being pestered by the brig on Earth, what kind of a man would he become? And so I tried, to explore, I tried to explore a modern-ish version of him at times, but also tried to kind of push him past his limits. So it's not so much that I felt restricted with The Second Doctor. It's that I enjoyed the challenge of having to write a slightly different, slightly evolved version of The Second Doctor. Um, a couple of earlier drafts, uh, I took him way further than you would hear in the in the finished version. I mean, he was he was quite bombastic uh, and a little a little too articulate, little too savvy, little too modern. And I just had to keep reeling it back in, keep whittling it down, and getting it back to a point where it felt organic. Uh, but one of the great touchstones there was having Jamie around. Uh, the two of them, you know, I don't know what two flavors you think go together, but Jamie and the Doctor. Jamie and the second doctor go very well together. So whenever I was lost, I would use the other as a sort of like way, way waystone to pull the other back.
1: Were there particular stories you went back and watched to get your mind into this, or did you just have your overall impression of the second doctor and Jamie?
2: Weirdly, actually the stuff that was the most helpful, um, was the first anthology in this series, uh, primarily because I wanted to tie myself, not just to, uh, Patrick Troughton's second doctor, but also to his son's second doctor. And, um, Yeah, using that as a leaping off point. Weirdly enough, a lot of the animated stuff was a really good, um, a good place to go for influencers. But I found myself also worrying about relying too much on the visuals of the second Doctor as a sort of cosmic hobo. And I know that's the sort of de like that's how he's referred to. Um, going off my memories and impressions of the second Doctor was where I began. (sighs) The second doctor is not typically, when I list my favorite doctors, he is not on that list. And that is not because he's not an excellent doctor, because I think he is, but he sort of exists in this weird blind spot where if I ask, you know, um, my in-laws, I say, who's your favorite doctor? And they always go straight to two. And I tried to ask them why. And they said, well, you know, we felt kind of safe with him. Uh, He had moments where there was sort of a little bit of rage under the surface, but he wasn't too much of a goofball. The thing they always fell back on was his look. They loved the recorder. They love that stupid stovepipe hat that he wore in a couple of promo shots, which I really wanted to actually directly reference in the story and was told not to. Um, Yeah, he's an odd one, isn't he? But I've always liked the idea that he's got a kind of drunken master-esque quality where a lot of what he's doing is much like the 11th Doctor. A lot of it's sort of a clownish facade to lure people in. And, you know, like Columbo where he acts kind of doddering and silly, but actually he's got this like razor sharp mind um, and again without giving too much away, I tried to tap into his legacy in this story uh, it's so hard not to spoil things I it really is- shouldn't have i shouldn't have made it so twist heavy but it really does i think i hope I hope it does tribute to the second doctor as a character
0: you you talked about what you what you were told not to include in the story um mm-hmm. and I, I know the the rear window elements uh, because you're a fan of the movie yes. uh, but what about the other elements what what we what was your brief?
2: One of the interesting things was I actually had a totally different story ready to go. Uh, it was approved. It was good to go. Nick had signed off. BBC had signed off. And then Nick basically said, uh, I'm sorry, man, you're going to have to go with the... Like it's going to have to be a... story." And that was a massive confusing pivot to make because let me tell you something. The first story I pitched, no- not just no... but a place where... could not comfortably exist because they need a little bit of... You know, they need some like ambient... You know, they, they need some they need to be kind of warm and it just it wasn't working so i had to kind of scrap that so it wasn't so much a restriction as a uh as a requirement uh and so i had to kind of create a story whole cloth and there is a scene in rear window which again is one of my favorite films there's a scene in rear window where uh they're looking down at the garden uh, in the courtyard and there is a row of plants and one of the plot points is one of the plants is slightly higher uh-huh. than the others. Yeah, and it's a beautiful- I mean, Hitchcock's a- a, like, he's an artist. Um, And that was the jumping off point. I went, okay, it's audio. One of my favourite episodes of Doctor Who is uh, Midnight, where you just kind of take a bunch of really great fleshed out characters, pin them in a room and make them fight uh, and make them bounce off each other and try and come up with a compelling arc for that. And I think Hitchcock sort of harks back to a period where most of the things he's written- not all, obviously not the crop duster scene, but most of them could be boiled down to basically plays. I mean, they're plays. They take place in confined spaces. So I wanted to try and find a way to get the doctor in that space. And uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think a lot of the best work that I've come up against or encountered, usually there are restrictions in place. Usually there are strict criteria in place, whether it's the restrictions of, uh, this franchise character cannot say this line or needs to be in this spot or it needs to be set in this time period. Yeah, I think the first restriction was uh, you've got to use and And, um, yeah, that was a fun one, honestly.
0: I knew that these antagonists were going to be part of the story the instant I heard the music, which was only a couple of, couple of minutes in, the musical uh, – Toby, I thought it was Nick that did the music because he, he tries to emulate uh, TV episodes so closely, but it wasn't. It was uh, Toby Rychek-Robinson who did, who did the music. But I knew who it was instantly uh, from, from that because you've got the, the, the uh, uh, sounding music all the way through that episode, which I think is is just beautiful. But just on Rear Window, one thing that strikes me about that movie is that it somehow has the ability to slow down time and sort of suck every bit of um sort of attention out of you for every single second all the way through and it feels like time is going very slowly and you know what you did a very similar thing with with uh, the green man because this seemed to me to go a lot longer than the the 1 hour but it sort of, it sort of um, had that rear window effect in that I felt that I was sort of exploring every single second, which made it seem longer to me, which is not a bad thing. It didn't drag out. That's
2: uh- <laughs> what I was like. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. I mean, there is a real sense of – in rear window, it does feel like you are spending the night with James Stewart and Grace Kelly, which, let's be honest, is a sort of dream of mine. But I think, uh, yeah, I <laughs> – I enjoy having characters in Habit Space and just sort of, you know, it's basically a stakeout. I mean, that's what's so thrilling about it. It is what happens when people have to wait together. And if they're waiting in a place that is atmospheric with a really high stakes thing kind of bubbling away, obviously things are going to be said. I mean, there's a bunch of um, bunch of stuff I really wanted to put in that just couldn't make it because of time, but I wanted uh, the Doctor and Jamie to talk about ageing. and not, I mean, ageing in a way where, first of all, here's a question. How old do you think Jamie is in this story?
0: Well, don't they say he's in his seventies? Do they? At some point,
1: I was—I was sure he's in his sixties. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was, it's interesting because I mean the previous s- story um, by Mark Wright. Actually, I am going to ask. Actually, I should ask that in a second. Um, because the previous story, they explained how the doctors, how James now travelled with the Doctor, which is interesting. The third Doctor adventure, twelve months ago, and Jamie, the and second Doctor, are there. No explanation. It was bizarre. Um, but you put it into your one, I noticed. Um, it, it's good to have an explanation about why Jamie is where he is. But I, I didn't notice that they did actually say how old in his story or the previous story, Dwayne. Do you think it's no? Old I, was?
0: I actually don't think. I don't think it was actually in a story, but I think Fraser in the extras was referring to. Well, Jamie's now in his seventies. I think he said that. I still feel it was a bit too end.
1: vibrant to be in his seventies. He's a, yeah, he's still, he's still the action hero.
0: Yeah,
1: um, what was that?
2: Um, what, was, what was that? There was a sixth story, uh, one where he was with uh, Colin Baker, and I don't the two remember. doctors. Uh, no, on big finish. I mean, there was a big finish story where uh, yes, there's a, tri- there a trilogy. He did three there stories was, with Colin. The yeah. Wreck,
0: yeah. wreck of the Titan. Legend of the Cybermen, and one The one with Zoe. Can't remember.
2: That's kind of how old I wrote him, basically. A man yeah. in his, you know. Late 50s. late 50s. early 60s. Yeah, about that. Um, so when I had him, you know, doing things like carrying a body or carrying out, I would say, relative acts of daring do. It didn't seem out of the room of possibility. But I did sneak in one thing into the story, which... Now, I don't know how contentious this is, but I had... I had a bit of a long-running beef with a bunch of friends of mine who are Doctor Who fans, because uh, the Fugitive Doctor. Uh, the Fugitive Doctor, chronologically, I don't think anyone has ever emphatically established exactly when uh, she does her doctoring. But the presence of a Hartnell-era phone box TARDIS buried under the Earth would imply that it's afterwards. But there's fans who say it's before. She's actually pre-First Doctor. So what I did was I had a, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but there is a bit of dialogue at the end where I basically, I think, established exactly when that takes place, and that was cheeky of me. But I, um, I don't know if either of you picked up on this.
0: I didn't. I'll have to go and re-listen now. <laughs> no, I
2: didn't. I,
1: I not Now I do know what you talk about. Now you say it, and I did. I was listening and thinking, oh, okay, but yeah, okay, that makes sense.
0: Yeah,
2: specifically because I just went, you know what, someone needs to deal with it, and uh, why not here? Why yeah, not I, I just,
1: I don't take the future. Fugitive- Doctor's canon. <laughs> <And> <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Different, different dimension, different conversation. She's not actually part of our universe of Doctor Who.
2: It's entirely possible. You know, mm. it's, it's, enti- it's entirely possible. But we are dealing with, I mean, look, this weird splinter timeline that, these, uh, that myself and the other writers are taking uh, and having a play in is just so fertile and it's so interesting. I had an abominable amount of fun working on this project. I mean, it's just... It's, it's so great. And it's, I, I did it ages ago. I mean, I wrote this thing in Lisbon, Tokyo, London. I wrote it over the Christmas break. Submitted my draft to Nick um, while I was, you know, on holiday. And then a couple of edits later, it's just, it's in the ether and then bang, it's out. It's just, it's so nice to have it actually being listened to. You know?
1: So how long did you write it?
2: I wrote this around, yeah, around Christmas. Oh,
1: that's not too bad. That's, that's oh, so really, reasonably that's, recently. That's fairly okay. quick for a Doctor Who show.
0: You
2: yes, finish? I'm starting to. I'm starting to realize that the, th- the problem is because I have ADHD. If I do a thing, I want to have the instant gratification. I don't want to wait. I want to now. Well, <laughs> don't, now it's-
1: <laughs> don't, don't write Tom. Don't write Tom Baker's. Then you'll be waiting ten years. <laughs> now, at the beginning, you do a whole. I mean, basically, you've put in five or six stories, um, mm-hmm. which could go on. Did you? Were you asked to do that? Was that that actually you did, all that interplay with all the different stories that were had between? The first story of the box set and the second?
2: Yeah, the idea was uh, we wanted to establish that the Doctor and Jamie had finally gotten back on board together and have them sort of, you know, a little bit further down the road. Just establish that they have gotten back into their groove. And I really, really did want to chuck in. Look, I I wanted to make them as funny as possible because tonally I wanted to basically do something along the lines of the Unicorn and the Wasp, right? I wanted to have a, a romp with a sort of dark heart, but starting with a montage was an interesting challenge and slotting in um, the Annihilators was a very deliberate choice of mine. I I just went, that needs to take place during this series of events because I don't know, it's timey-wimey, baby. Like why not mix it up? Just go, just stitching together things so that they are inextricably linked and giving listeners that moment of, oh, right, I get it. uh, It's just, it's a thrill. Having a bit of a heist going on, the the opera house, all that stuff was super fun, super fun. And I think there are, there are a bunch more that I that I didn't um, that I didn't put in, which I'm going to try and use in the future.
1: There's touches of the feel of um, the captain's holiday in Star Trek: Next Generation, where Picard is forced to go on holiday. There's also touches of gold from Black Seven, with um, oh, yeah. being injected. Do those things? Do you notice them after you've done them? Do you think they had any influence on you? Just wondering.
2: I'm a huge Trek fan. And obviously, do you mean the one where the Enterprise is getting cleaned and um, Picard has to basically leave because it's getting this on sweep and so he's no, and he he pretends stays, to be he stays, the barber? No, he
1: that's, stays behind that one.
2: That's about, Die Hard, yeah.
1: That's hard. I am thinking about the one where um, he has to take leave because he's been working too hard. And so he's ordered uh, to go to Risa.
2: And oh, and he meets the He meets the archaeologist. Oh, so
1: archaeologist, And they good. have this whole adventure because it, once again, it's a, pl- a pleasure planet of mm. you know, great comfort, but... Obviously, that wasn't in your mind. We did. I just there was just some touches of that. I I saw it.
2: I absolutely love that, and I'm such a big fan of 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 that episode. I'm just look honestly. There was nothing more fun for look. It's fine. I love it when the doctor's running around and there's a bunch of survivors in a metal room and there's a quarry and there's monsters and lasers and I love that's all great stuff. But I wanted to do something slightly different. And whilst it does have a literal monster of the week quality, I wanted to make it funny, weird, and I wanted to put the characters in a position where they had to, you know, evolve as characters. And character evolution in Doctor Who is a scary thing to do because you're taking existing characters and you are futzing with them and you are adding things. And a lot of the times I think uh, it puts pressure on subsequent storytellers to acknowledge things that have been done, right? It's much, you know, and that's something I really wanted to do.
1: But you actually have a freedom to to develop these characters because they're not going to go on. You know that there will be a point where Jamie is returning his time. You know the Doctor's going to be generated to the third Doctor. You actually have a, a time period here where you don't have to reset those two characters at the end of your story.
2: That's true, but there's nothing to say that the things that happen here don't inform on a character basis the person that they become because you really just see the third Doctor get deposited out. I mean, he could have... Did you...? In the night of the doctor, where the eighth doctor lists his companions, right? You know, rattles off his companions. At that point, we hadn't encountered a bunch of the new ones. And so he chucks Kerris and Molly in there. And I thought those were odd choices for your final words, but whatever. Um, Still not as weird as Adric. I think think there is something to be said for feeling those moments in character-wise. It's not that... Look, I know some stuff about... I know some stuff. maybe it's been changed by now, but I know some stuff about that kind of character arc um, that has been loosely mapped out. And uh, it filled me with hope and excitement in a way that I didn't think possible. So when I got the brief, I was like, yeah, cool. Second doctor, second doctor. But then when Nick told me what he kind of wanted to do over the long run, uh, it was just so exciting. And I mean, exciting on like a prestige TV level that was just and, yeah, it sucks to be getting these once a year. It's not enough. It's not enough. Um, I've forgotten what the question was. <laughs> I'm
1: sorry. That's fine. Okay, I just want to go back in terms of the first box set, because the first box set had mm. Mark Wright, who's written for this box set as well, Nicholas yeah. Briggs, Andrew Smith. So you've got three big powerhouses of Big Finish bringing us the first box set, setting up, setting it up. So when you yeah. went back to listen to that first box, how informed and which of those stories is, is it one in particular that helped you really decide that's nailed where I want to go with the second Doctor?
2: It was the first one, actually. Um, straight in. Bang. I mean, what's great is I believe they record these things out of sequence. I know they recorded mine out of sequence just based on sort of like who was there on the day. But having the Doctor kind of wander through a storm, hearing sort of time echoes was just so exciting. And all I had to inform me was that beautiful cover art kind of that weird swimming, wishy-washy cover art. Uh Yeah, I think it was the first one. Because also, there is nothing more exciting than a beginning. A beginning speaks of all this incredible promise and potential that is yet to be fulfilled. And I just thought, man, you can tell that everyone here is all in. The commitment to this new branch of the Doctor Who story timeline was just, uh yeah, done really, really well.
0: It was a very minimal cast in this one, actually. Only two others. You had Barnaby Edwards playing... Uh, playing the green man, and um, (coughs) Nigel Havers. Nigel actually read the credits. What was that like hearing your name read by such a a legend of of television and screen?
2: I love Nigel's work. Uh, I got to dial in a couple of times to the recordings and it was- I was going to ask you that, yeah. Just an incredible experience. First of all, like the plan was to be across in England and actually head across in person uh, and be there in person. But uh, I don't know if you knew this, but traveling from Australia to England is arduous, long, and uh, very expensive. So I instead dialed in uh, via Clean Feed, which is an app we use. And I got to sort of listen to them kind of dicking around between takes, and it was just so intensely charming. But it was very intimidating because, you know, it's a who's who of, of performative veterans just like nutting out your dialogue on the mic and sort of tooling around. Uh, hearing my name in the credits of anything is exciting, but hearing my name in the credits of things with the Doctor Who music in close proximity is just bone chilling. Like, it's it's just such a career highlight, I'll be honest.
0: Did they consult you at all during the recording as the
2: writer? Uh, no, but that's because the editing process had been so rigorous. I mean, we've done quite a few redrafts and I tend to write my stuff fairly my in um in uh, scripting terms, there's a thing called bigs, which is just like the you know the big text that tells you what is going on, the kind of directive text. My bigs are quite big, so my bigs are very specific. So I really don't leave it leave too much to chance in terms of what I think the direction of the performances should be. But also, you know, we're dealing with uh, Nick Briggs and Big Finish. I mean, these people know what they're doing, so I sort of trusted it. And also, listening back, I went, yeah, they, I they nailed it. Like they all nailed it. The performances in this are so, so good. Honestly, it's it's just a real pinch me moment hearing your words come to life. You know,
0: oh, I bet it is. I bet it is. And this box set for me personally, I don't know how you f- feel, Philip. You've only heard the first two st- two stories, but this box set uh, is probably now my favourite of the year so far. How are you I- feeling about it so far?
1: Well, I I certainly feel like Big Finish have been smashing out of the park the last three or four months. I actually said that to Nick Briggs recently that it's just been consistently so good. And yeah, this one just adds to another stunning group of stories. And yeah, they've they've, they've turned a big hill. There's a series, yeah, there's a lot of good quality stories, but we've just been having month after month, I think, really high quality stuff. And this really fits in beautifully with that. Great performances, great scripts.
0: Yeah,
2: in tour the whole time.
0: Absolutely. So, Paul... What's next?
2: Any hints? What's next? Well, uh, I've got a. I know what I'm doing next. Uh, I know exactly what I'm doing next. The question is when and uh, for which doctor? That's the question. So, uh, like you said before at the start of the show, big fan of seven. But uh, wouldn't say no to an eight. Wouldn't say no to a nine. I wouldn't say no to a 14. Screw it. I don't care. <laughs> give me, give me it. Look, one of the great things about being given a Doctor is that you then have to tailor the material. It's The Doctor is obviously one person, uh, but the Doctor is also, you know, uh, what, now? For, yeah, soon to be 14 characters, if not more, if you want to count the weird in between ones. So you really do have to then take your idea and aggressively change it. And sometimes- the Doctor's personality will rule out entire plot arcs, change the ending, because certain Doctors would do things and certain Doctors wouldn't do things. So whilst I say I know what I'm doing next, I only really know the loose framework because which Doctor uh, it's about will completely change the trajectory. I hope. I hope. And by the way, I can't, I can't tell you anything specific. I'm, I'm just going to do the same thing I did last time, and that is wink in the direction of a thing, and then, you know, next time we'll go, oh, yeah, that's what you were talking about. Fair. Fair
0: yeah, Fair enough. Fair enough. That's more than anyone else gives us. Uh, you've you've got so many projects going on. Is is writing for Big Finish something you'll always make time for?
2: Oh, absolutely. I absolutely adore it. I mean, it's not only is it Doctor Who, but it's Big Finish, and Big Finish has a really unique place, not just in the pantheon of Doctor Who stories, but also just. It's it's something special. It's something singular. Big Finish is is very special. It has gotten me through some really weird times. So yeah, anytime they go, hey, can you please write blah, I will say yes. And could you please change the word blah to a specific thing so I don't have to have a panic attack when I get a brief. No, honestly, it's um No matter what else is going on, I will always I will always uh head back to Big Finish. I've got a very odd project in the works, which is Actually, Columbo-related, which I can't talk about at the moment. Um, but I am now going to continue to structure my full-length Big Finish stories basically like Columbo stories. You know, the inverse pyramid, lots of twists, reveals, a dude pretending he's worse at his job than he actually is to kind of trick bad guys into... I love that stuff. So, yeah, I want to I wanna start... I want to start now. Enough waiting, you know? <laughs>
0: Very good. All right. well, thank you so much for uh, for spending a bit of time with us to talk about the Green Man and and uh, the other things that you're doing. So, uh, much appreciated. Thank you, Paul.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'll see you at the next one. From Big Finish Productions,
3: Doctor Who: Short Trips, Volume 11. It is with the greatest honour that I have been designated the Sontaran Rearguard on Ubraeus. Rear Rearguard. If you stopped running, you could die with honor. I'd not die at all, thanks. It's better to die with honor than not to die at all. Let's agree to disagree on that one. <laughs> Messages from the dead. It hurts to be sidelined, to know he won't trust me with more. He needs someone like he needed Romana. The autopilot has lost control, he bellowed. Then turn it off, Romana called. No, that would be madness boomed the Doctor as he flipped several switches and grabbed hold of the yoke. I've taken manual control! He grinned manically as he adjusted the engine output and slowly steadied the room around us. What a brilliant idea! Romana congratulated him, pretending she was oblivious to the fact that it was identical to her suggestion. The Threshold. This is emergency programme. I am dead. I am the master. To die. there's no chance of escape I will not die do you believe that striding around like that everywhere disguises your complete uncertainty as to where you are going I'm trying to stay ahead of the spatial decoherence things are bad enough without us winking out of existence besides she's your TARDIS you really ought to know the way you silence well Be silent, Doctor. Listen. There is something, something I cannot recall. It broke through in the crash. Something, something terrible. Doctor? Death will not part us. She often thought of that first, last day. She had to, in order to load her weapon, but tried to never linger on its events. Not on when the wheezing harbinger materialised above Unity Hall, nor on when the sky splintered and the people became bodies and the bodies became dust. Not even on when she picked up the rifle that fell from broken heavens. Security guards rushed forward, but they were too late. Ignoring the ensuing panic, she aimed at the President's chest and fire Fired and chest residents Fear of flying A sudden shudder shook the aircraft and the Skyliner dipped aggressively An air pocket? She screamed A short, sharp scream Wiping her brow The sleeve came back doused This time she slumped back in her chair After a moment, the doctor took off his glasses. Slipping them into his pocket, he looked around. I'd like to assuage your fears, Hawa, but you should be scared. Inside Story A short man with dark hair and a pale Panama hat smiles. Apologies, Miss Morton. I didn't mean to startle you. That's quite all right. I hear Diamina reply in my voice, I don't think these books are escapism. In fact, I believe they may hold more truth than your readers suspect. Big Finish for the love of stories.
0: Yes, that was a trailer for the Short Trips Volume 11 that Paul wrote one of the stories to. So I can recommend that too if you haven't heard that box set. Those Short Trips are, are, are really good. Uh, I enjoy them. You don't enjoy them so much, Philip, but um, but I do because they can be consumed uh, a little bit more quickly if you've got a, a, a little bit of time to, to kill instead of, you know, one to two hours.
1: I have I have listened to all those stories now and I did actually enjoy them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they're good. They're good. Yeah. Um, It's a bit like the Companion Chronicles for me. I put them to the side, and then when I finally get forced to listen to them for for one reason or another, I I really enjoy them. And I go, why didn't I listen to that ages ago? Same thing. Time. All right. It's always Uh, time. We we, we need to talk about our upcoming live event with Katie Manning. We've got uh, two appearances of Katie that uh, we are uh, helping to organize. Uh, Well, we're not helping to. We are. We're doing it. (laughs) What was
1: this helping? We're doing it.
0: I don't know. I was just, <laughs> I was, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, Katie Manning is is coming to Sydney and Melbourne. So if you haven't yet uh, seen the info for that and book tickets, you can do that via our website, which is katiemanning.sirensofaudio.com. It's there on the screen and you'll get links to either the Sydney show or the Melbourne show. Anything else you can tell us about those, Philip? Uh,
1: they're just going to be lots of fun. So we've got celebrations happening because it's actually katie's birthday in sydney so you'll actually be coming along on her birthday she's she wants to be with the fans for that day so come along and yeah buy buy your tickets it's it's easier for us if you've got your tickets beforehand because it gives us a good idea in terms of booking photographers and booking spaces how long we need to book things for and to actually plan out the, the program to make sure there's enough time because we, yep. we want you to have enough time with katie when you get your photo taken when you do your autographs for all the different things that have to happen, that knowing numbers makes a huge difference. So if you've just been, yeah, just to turn up on the day, well, hopefully you'll get in, but we'd much rather know beforehand because it just makes life much easier for us.
0: Absolutely, it absolutely does. I might, I'll I'll probably um, throw in a bit of our first interview with Janet Fielding soon, just to give you a bit of a taste of of what you're in for. because we haven't released any of that. We released a bit of Janet in Brisbane, but um the, the Sydney event we haven't released any. So how would you do you think that'd be a good idea, Philip? Just to yeah, let a great know? idea. I mean it was it was
1: more Jason Hay Gallery we released in um, Brisbane anyway, just that Janet was yeah. being a loudmouth so and so and interrupting him.
0: <laughs> yeah. But it gave you an idea of what the what the show is like. But we'll put in we'll put in some of Janet's interview with you, Philip, um, from from Sydney very soon. And uh, yeah, that should be good.
1: Yeah, come along. We look forward to seeing you. Make sure you make yourself known. Come and talk to us.
0: Now, as far as recommendations go, I think, Philip, we should just recommend the second Doctor Adventures. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, think I do.
1: Bo- both some... Beyond War Games and this one.
0: And this one, yeah. And uh, if, if we recommend them heartily enough, maybe Big Finish will put out two next year instead of one. Oh, that'd be good. Don't think so. The pre-order's up for next year's one, which is a shame. I'd love, I'd love there to be more. Maybe they're Maybe they will be eventually, but uh, it all depends on how many people buy it, I suppose.
1: Yep, definitely.
0: Very good. All right, that's us for this instalment of the Sirens of Audio. Lovely to be with you again, Philip. It will be wonderful being with you too, Dwayne. Oh, thank you very much. Now you can get back to your party with your family.
1: Uh, They've all gone now, well, half of them.
0: Oh, sorry about that. You'd much rather be with me anyway, I know that.
1: Oh, I know. Talking Doctor Who, what's more fun than that?
0: Very good. All right, until next time, we'll catch you all later. Bye, everyone. This has been the Sirens of Audio episode 164, The Green Man, with our guest Paul Behoven and your hosts Philip Edney and Dwayne Bunny. Original theme composed by Joe Kramer. More about us and tickets to Katie Manning in Australia from sirensofaudio.com. Comment below to let us know what you thought of the episode or contact us via email at sirensofaudio at gmail.com or any one of our socials. Thanks for listening, audiophiles. We'll hear you next time.